Hi, and welcome to episode 212 of No Crying in Baseball, the happy birthday potty mouth observed episode. <laughs> My name's Patty. I'm here with the birthday girl. Hi, potty mouth. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, those birthdays, they, I think that extended celebration should be a thing. We should have a birthday month, really. And since my birthday was fairly at the beginning of the month, I think we just need to keep celebrating. Because there's nothing else to do in November, really. No major holidays, no right. no days off, <laughs> uh, no family gatherings or anything. So we need to just focus on you. Absolutely. I am all in for that. Although I'm, there is another thing that we can celebrate today, which I am, I'm good about cel- uh, sharing the celebration for today. It is Happy Little League Girls Day. And hmm. the International Women's Baseball Center, I think, has created that title. And it's the anniversary of the decision that allowed girls to play in Little League, which was November 7th, 1973. And that's when Maria Pepe had sued for being able to play. And by the time it was settled, she didn't get to play, but a whole lot of other girls are playing, will continue to play, and uh, yeah, hey, I'll take the cheers. Cheers. We're going we to cheers we our brunch cheers. beer. We're recording much earlier on a Sunday than we normally do. So, so Potty Mouth got us um, a fruity brunch beer. Mm-hmm. So we could be thematic in a whole bunch of ways. And um, thank you, Maria Pepe. And I like that this day exists so people remember what she had to do. And I like that there are tournaments named in her honor. So the girls who are yeah. playing now understand what had to happen for them to get to be able to play. Because it wasn't just a, sure, you want to play? Play. Right. Which is how it should be. Yeah. Too much of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to um, mention our, our friend, Debbie? Yes. So uh, we're recording right before going to a memorial service for a dear friend who's left us way too soon and also a really dedicated fan and supporter of the podcast. So for years, Debbie Casey was the one who would always repost our our Facebook post just regularly and was a great listener and whenever we went to a Nats game and there was an extra bobblehead that we had because if we were going with you and you had yours and Mr. Pottymouth and I had one, it would always go to Debbie. She had an amazing Nats bobblehead collection. And then there was one night where I, I might have had a few drinks at the VFW where she would tend bar. And she told me the story of, I think it was her grandfather, Reed Few Drinks Above, who yeah. actually played for the Red Sox because I was talking about, you know, my my allegiance being a little bit divided with the Red Sox having coming higher on the hierarchy there. And she accepted that, even though she's a, a crazy Nats fan and had that family connection. But the last name was Smith, and it was in the 1950s. And I did a quick to the Google right before the show to see if I could remember. And there were a few Smiths of the Red Sox in the 50s. So yeah. I need to do a little bit more research. But we're going to be thinking a lot about Debbie today. And if anybody out there who is uh, listening to the show because you saw a repost by Debbie, you know, um, thank you for sticking with us. And uh, and she'll be in our thoughts. And she was in my thoughts yesterday as well. Um, my bobblehead collection was sort of in boxes all over my freaking house. Oh, wow. So I, thinking of Ooh. Debbie, and I remember once one year she showed us a picture of her like holiday bobble collection. Yep. She actually did them up for, for Christmas with lights and whatnot. And I thought, okay, this is, and this is a good time as any to de-box, unbox, it released from the box, free from the boxes, yep. the bobbleheads, except for the ones that I had two of, those stayed, the extra stayed in the box for investments for my future, mm. and organized them. And I discovered a couple things. One is most of my bobbleheads don't play for the teams they are wearing in the in their bobblehead. Ah. And a huge number of them are now kind of on the NCIB shit list oh. for various things. And so West Coast correspondent Deborah May actually, um, she suggested perhaps I set up a penalty box in my display <laughs> yes. and suggested maybe she would do some signage like homophobe, anti-vaxxer, and whatever um, our our um, crimes are. But I noticed something else when I was, or I have a color problem with my, um, with my bobbleheads. Most of them are white. I have... Two dozen oh, skin color. Skin color. Uh, I, I was thinking two... your uniforms were clashing. No, I have no. I'll, I, every uniform is red, white, and blue in that entire yeah, collection. That's even what I thought. It's, it's, well, no, there are a couple, I have a couple of O's ones in there, but um, I have this is three African Americans out of twenty four bobbleheads. Hmm. Um, Billy Hamilton and Dusty Baker and Michael A. Taylor. There are four bobbleheads representing people of Latino descent, and three of them are Anthony Rendon. Oh, wow. Three of the four. The other one, of course, is Juan Soto. And the rest of them are white. And I don't know if that's just because those are the games I happen to go to or if that's really a disparity and who gets bobbleheaded hmm. and who does not. But it was like, hey, look what I'm seeing right here in my very own collection. And I find that odd. 
Yeah. Well, we should, I mean, we could track that against percentages overall and then percentages how bobblehead days Go. It sounds that like sounds- a statistics project. If we have any takers, we're, you're up for it. But yeah. I, did, I did notice, I'm doing my um, research for later today, that um, there is a bobblehead representing a buster hug. Aww. And now I need it. So oh. there you have it. So it's going to get another white one in my collection, but it's a buster hug. And I'm not going to apologize for that. Yeah. For gosh sakes. You know, I just want to, thinking of like cool things and presents and things I, I, I want and have gotten, give a little bit of a shout out to Mr. Potty Mouth. He's the best. For being the best birthday pre- presenter that there is. So I opened my first birthday present and it was the Boston Strong bright yellow t-shirt with Kike Hernandez, Hernandez on the back. And I know this is a very polarizing shirt. A lot of people, you hate it or you love it. You had to come around to it, didn't I you? I totally yeah. did. I started off really hating it. And then, of course, when I learned a little bit, oh, yeah, Boston Marathon. And then I've totally come around, especially when they had that little winning, winning streak at the end of the season wearing them. So getting a Kike Boston Strong shirt, super happy. And then... I got a Kike jersey, which I'm wearing right now, and I am so excited. And also a very nice bottle of whiskey to go with the two. So Woohoo! Round it's it like out. he knows you yeah. or something. I love that. On today's show, there was a World Series that finished this week. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also going to mention Potty Mouth's dream job. I think she should get it. It's time for collective bargaining and the beginning of Hot Stove. We have a boyfriend-on-boyfriend altercation, and we all are going to need a buster hug. We've got international baseball and a little bit of COVID cross-training with the National Football League. Hey, the World Series ended this week, and Potty Mouth called it Hammers in Six. Which is hysterical, because after I called it, I was real like, I have any power of this. But I was realizing that 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 was the worst time for the, the series to end because I was working that night. And so I missed completely game six. And not only was I working, but Mr. Potty Mouth had just had a a surgical procedure that morning. And we had a party thing at work that night. So usually I would come home and watch the end. And that night, I just couldn't. We were there too late. I came home to a sick Mr. Potty Mouth. And I missed the entire game six. But I am incredibly grateful to you and our West Coast correspondent for keeping me up on the key things through via text. We do our best. We know we have an important role to play, and we are willing to play it. So congratulations to the Hammers. Um, so a few of the, like, looking back on the World Series and also on the celebration. The um, Atlanta team is really forcing the 44s on us. Um, you know, Henry Aaron's number. They said, oh, oh, hey, the team won 44 games before the All-Star break and 44 games after. They won the World Series in the 44th week of the year. I'm like, okay, you know what you can do with 44? You can rename the fucking team the Hammers right. if you really want an honor. Hank Aaron, do it by naming the team after him. This stuff is just playing with statistics, playing with numbers. Do it right, my friends. Yep. Yep. Hey, um, so my former boyfriend, Freddie Freeman, the friendliest first baseman, um, was not the World Series MVP, but the, the New York Baseball Writers Association gave um, awarded him the Babe Ruth Award for the postseason MVP. The postseason, he played 16 games, hit 304, 11 RBI, and five home runs. And now the thing that all of Atlanta has turned their attention to is re-sign Freddie. Yeah. Everybody wants to re-sign Freddie, and Freddie wants to be re-signed. He says, everyone knows where my heart is. He's been there since he was 17, yeah. half, you know, half his life. And um, I'm also amused by the people local to us in D.C. who regularly boo Freddie Freeman when he comes to bat in Nets Park, but would welcome him with open arms as the friendliest first baseman for the Nationals. Oh, Yeah. I don't see it happening though. No. I think they're Atlanta's gonna, gonna cough up. They're gonna this. make they it work. And, and it's the right thing to do. It's what he wants. I'm happy for him. Yeah. And we, you know, whoever gets on first gets to hang out and talk with Freddie when he comes to visit. So yeah. I would appreciate that. Sure enough. So I, I totally lucked out and a couple of the boyfriends that I chose for other teams were part of this like mid season boom that that put the hammers over the edge and, and really led to this victory. One was Eddie Rosario, who I, I picked back in our first season, back in episode sixty four with the uh, with the twins in two thousand and eighteen. And I love the scenes of him after the win with the flag. And he had some interviews where he basically called out his hometown in Puerto Rico and said, I am from there. He said he was going to be going back, doing some sort of winter tour to visit. So when you say flag, what flag do you mean? Uh, the Puerto Rican flag. Thank you. Which is, yeah, which is not a country, but it's it's 
with something that we've talked about a lot on this show. It's a point of, uh, of contention, but there's still a lot of national pride, despite it not being an official nation. nation. And actually, one of the reasons why I picked him for a boyfriend in the beginning was because he had gone back after the hurricane and done actually hands-on, going door-to-door, helping people. And that's the kind of boyfriend stuff that we like. And the other boyfriend that I totally lucked into, did not pick on Atlanta, but moved over there, was the MVP of the World Series, Jose Soler, who I picked last year with the 20 Royals. And um, he's actually the third World Series MVP to have come as a midseason acquisition. And when I saw that, I knew who the last one was, because that was 2018 Steve Pierce. Thank you, Toronto, for Steve Pierce going to the Red Sox. I didn't know who the first one was. It was in that the famous 69 Mets, Don Clendenen, whose name I probably just pronounced wrong, but sorry about that. Those were the MVPs who were midseason trades. Um, importantly, Soler is also the second Cuban-born MVP after Levan Hernandez with the 97 Marlins. And in case you don't know why Soler got MVP, he's the dude with the three home runs, including, I did see the replay, even though I missed it the first time, the game six bomb that oh went God. out of the, like, up, up, over, out, onto the street. It may still Huge. be in the air. Oh, my God. Yeah, impressive. It was quite something. So the guy behind those trades, the the brains behind the organization, the GM, Alex Anthopoulos, actually missed game six because he tested positive for COVID. He was uh, asymptomatic and vaccinated, but he didn't get to go party and enjoy his mid-season trade, uh, you know, blossoming, right? Yeah, and he said he's been really careful because, you know, he's got family at home, including some kids around. I don't know if they're kids or grandkids, but he's, you know, paying attention to that. He did, um, he was released from his, you know, his quarantine or isolation, whatever it is, quickly because that happens when you're asymptomatic and vaccinated. So he was back in time for the parade, which is good. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. So maybe before we go parade, I can just talk about I had so many boyfriends on the Atlanta team sure to, to enjoy. Ozzy Albies, who is who is Albies, who I continue to have to say that twice. Joy to watch throughout. Um, uh, my my one of my picks, Ender Inciarte, is now in the red, so he didn't continue. But between Albies, Dansby Swanson, or or Swansby Danson. No, Swans- I, Swansby. 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 Yep. So I keep, I, I never know which A to pronounce which way. Anyway, one of my guys and Johan Camargo, who I picked last year or this year. I don't remember which. One, one of, oh, it must have been, it must have been last year. Now, and now I'm going to have to go look that up. Anyway, he had not been playing much at all this season, but he got to play on game six. So I miss that too, because Ere Adrianza, his wife was giving birth. And so he did the right thing, missed the game-winning, you know, World Series game to be at the most more important place, to be with his wife giving birth. Um, Camargo didn't add much. He had four at-bats, didn't hit. But he, I was watching last year, he was on the um, lead-on Dominican team, the winning one, Aguilas Sebaeñas, and he has not come back yet, but he might be. More on lead-on later. All right, more on the parade right now. So, um We've been to one one World Series parade, and boy, oh, was so that fun. fun. So the The Atlanta parade was a little wacky. It was a two part parade because their new ish ballpark, Truist, is way out in you know in white suburbia, you know, shopping mall land. So they had to account for the meaningful beginning of the parade at the Henry Aaron Memorial at the previous site of the you know the Fulton County Stadium where where it all began, um, and then end up in the suburbs. So oh. Fulton County Schools closed for the day so the kids could go to the parade, which is super cool. Wow. However, um, because they had to cover a lot of ground, the parade was like in super speed, like if you're watching yep. it in fast forward. So all these kids who got a school saw about 10 seconds of parade, zoom, by, and then the parade had to get on the highway. There's all these shots of... Um, is it Soroka, I think, holding the World Series trophy, sitting top of double-decker bus, going 55 miles an hour <laughs> on the highway to get to Cobb County to go to the rest of the parade. I think that could have been fixed. But my personal highlight of the parade is my former Dodgers boyfriend, Jack Peterson, thinking that it was pretty much Mardi Gras and throwing... <laughs> 
pearl <laughs> necklaces to people watching the parade. R- real pearls? I don't think with they're the, real. With the little individually tied ones. I'm glad you learned that. <laughs> That's so great. You're very classy. Yeah. You're very classy. Now I know. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm guessing those probably weren't the real ones. I think he only had a couple of, of strings of backup, so that wouldn't have been enough mm-hmm. to... But I like the other thing that he did. He is a fashion icon, and even though it was in the '40s and everybody was all bungled up, he was in shorts because that's who. I guess the pearls were keeping him warm, or, or maybe that's just because that's what he would have worn had he been able to do that for LA, and so he was like getting his gear in. That very well may be, around. yeah, because Jock didn't get a parade last year and um, when he won with the Dodgers because of COVID. So he was really, like, I think he was trying to get double the fun That's fair. out of this one for sure. I'm glad about that. Um, a lot of you may have seen a clip of a pitcher, Tyler Matzek, um, be, uh, having a little altercation with the police on the parade route. And, of course, things went flying. And, oh, my God, he was almost yeah. arrested. He was almost arrested. He wasn't really almost arrested. Apparently, there, for safety reasons, they said, Players cannot leave the buses. And <laughs> he did. And he did. And he was the only one caught on somebody's phone doing it. There were apparently several who shall remain nameless who got out at different parts of the parade to walk around and were kind of ushered back by the police. Hmm. I'm pretty sure the police knew that he was Tyler Matzik. And otherwise, they wouldn't have been ushering him back on the bus. It's like, hello, stranger in the middle of the parade. Please get on the bus with the players. <laughs> <laughs> so it just goes to show how quickly um, rumors can spread. Yeah. Well, the, the photo op for it was pretty funny i mean it was definitely yeah. cops chasing him around yeah and, you know he, he did not want to get on the bus he was having fun walking gosh yeah. darn it uh the one thing that speaking of getting caught on camera and other people not eddie rosario was caught on camera doing the chop oh, fuck no not and eddie i know and so there's you know there's the boyfriend thing and there's a little heartbreak thing and who knows i'm guessing there was more of that there must have been other players who did it eddie's the one clip that i saw but it sort of shows the 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 reason why things have to change all around because if you've got that being encouraged during the games if all the fans are doing it it's sort of like i understand maybe he's you know trying to be a faithful member of the Atlanta team and doing what everybody else is around is doing but damn it you know it's okay so Eddie like take some time to learn about this but everybody else is gonna make it a team yeah. effort and apparently I don't know if it was when they got to the um to Truist Park or if it was along the way but um I did read that one of the sportscasters uh was encouraging the crowd to chop excellent at one point so um you know that it's got to come from all sides. Right now, the the, the encouragement is coming from all sides right. instead of the shame. It, yep. sh- it should be shame. Yeah, and that leads me into the corrections department. Mr. Pottymouth caught me last week when we talked about the Manfred statement. And Manfred had said that basically he got the A-OK from Native Americans in that area, that it was all right to have the name stay the name and have the chop stay the chop. And I had poked a hole in it in the show last week by saying, well, you know, talk to some other people. But... Even before the show, Mr. Pottymouth had sent me this article from CNN, which I will quote here, where it says, leaders from the Atlanta Indigenous Peoples Association said that the B word have not included them in any discussions about the tomahawk chop and that Manfred's statements are not completely true. Shocking. So apparently he didn't, maybe he talked to a couple of Native Americans in the Atlanta area and not say... The we Indigenous Peoples some. Association. <laughs> right. I could check the box. I talked to more than one. Yeah. That so, ain't good. Dang. Um, hey, I know you like what you do for a living, but I think that you deserve a dream job. Yeah. So looking at people who got the ring, the translator for the Atlanta team also got a ring. And he turns out to be a super cool dude, Franco Garcia. And I didn't realize how popular he is. Like on Twitter, before it was announced that he got the ring, lots of Atlanta's fans were saying, Franco deserves a ring too. He deserves a ring too. He's been with the team for five years. Nice. And he is Mr. Personality in all the interviews on TV because he's the voice for so many players. Because if he's speaking the English part, he's in a lot of, of TV interviews. And he, he's got good, good hair too. He's got hair for it. And a nice suit. Yeah. Yeah. And he, actually, there's some it's really cool dresser. ones with him with a, one of those snazzy baseball jackets, like the shiny, satiny ones looking sharp. So he moved to Atlanta as a young kid from Puerto Rico, I believe. Yes. And because of his dad's work. 
And when he he became a huge Atlanta fan, and when he graduated from high school, started asking for a job, and then after college, actually more more vehemently started asking for a job. And so he was working as a house inspector from six in the morning to two in the afternoon. And then he got himself into some small part-time jobs at the stadium. So, you know, he originally went for something bigger, but they found little things for him, including being the hammer in the tools race. And so here's another, like, I know you talked about this year, I was going to say years, whatever, months ago when we talked about the, the name change to the hammers and how much sense it makes because there's a hammer on the field already. They've already got the hammer costume, They've for gosh sakes. Already got it. So he was the racing hammer. He did a bunch of other stuff. And then he finally got hired into this interpreter's position. And the fun thing to to about when you listen to him is how naturally he's speaking, that he really is sort of giving the voice to the players that they should have in English. And he said to him, that's what he wants, that he can give a voice that the way that they would want it. And I was looking at an interview that he did with Eddie Rosario right after the NLCS, and some players like Rosario, like even um, Acuna, understand English enough and could speak fine if they were hanging out in a room with their friends. But when you've got a camera and a microphone in front of your face, better to be safe, right? Yeah. If it's your second language, it's not easy. So in this interview, the, the questions were being asked in English. And then Rosario would immediately answer in Spanish because he clearly understood what was being asked. And then Garcia brought it into the English that really reflected his style. I didn't realize that in 2016, MLB mandated interpreters for all teams. So I have some waiting lists to get on, is what I'm thinking. I think so. I think you need to start now because you deserve it, gosh darn it. Mm -hmm. You should be there. And you know what? You get that job, I'll buy you a shiny baseball jacket. That would be so much fun. I will totally be on top of that. Um, Hey, it's time for, like, it's the business time of year now that the World Series is over, (laughs) which means two things are are beginning, well... Two things are going to take center stage right now. One is collective bargaining. The um, the players union, the MLBP, MLBPA, so Major League Baseball Players Association, MLBPA, got it, um, yeah. and MLB, the league, have to come to an agreement by like 11.59 p.m. December 1st. might be easy to remember midnight, December 2nd. Um, that they have to come to agreement or there's going to be yikes yikes there's going to be yikes and one of the yikes which is very likely is a lockout yeah so there are two ways in labor you can have a work stoppage one is employee driven which is a strike or walkout one is employer driven which is a lockout the last work stoppage in major league baseball was all the way back in 1994 which was the strike year which was bad yeah um and then prior to that there were various lockouts. Um, Here's what would happen if there were a lockout. Everything would stop except for these negotiations, which means no um, free agency transactions, no arbitration discussions, no Rule 5 draft, no winter meetings. Players couldn't use the facilities. Everything would stop except for bargaining, except for the negotiations. I think the the league was burned, I think, because it's still if 25 or 26 years later because of the strike, which stopped play. So yeah. it was very effective because it stopped play. And one reason why a lot of people think there'll be a lockout is they want to get ahead of that. If there's going to be a work stoppage, the employers, the league, the owners want to control it and have it happen right away so it wouldn't interfere with the season, hmm. right? The side effect of that is if that goes for a while, that will shorten the time where you can negotiate for free agency, which would likely benefit the owners. Because by then you may have players who are like, I gotta get this done. Yeah. And so I'm gonna take, you know, millions of dollars millions of dollars less. That's who knows? Easy. Yeah. Interesting um it's not always in the employer's best interest because as soon as the the league or the owners say, You're not allowed to go to work, public opinion is more than likely gonna go with the players saying, hey, they they wanna work, right. you guys are the bad guys, you're stopping this, so it could come back that way as well. Um, they've been meeting, uh, negotiations, negotiations have been going on approximately twice a week for a while now. Um, the union has submitted two economic proposals, uh, MLB has um, responded with one so far. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week there's a um, general manager's meeting in Carlsbad, California, and another union meeting nearby, so they might use that proximity to do some in-person bargaining next week. Everyone says they're giving lip service to, we want to get this done 
but I think um, they're pretty far apart still. Not, not too many details are out there in the open. Like the things people are talking about are like universal DH and, you know, expanded playoffs. And that is so small compared to the much bigger economic conversations that are the ones that are in flux. So um, more soon, but just so you know, that's what's going on right now. It's from the state of the bargaining. You know, it reminds me of what we were, you were talking about last year. Was it just last year with the whole COVID thing when the players came around finally and said, just let us play, let us play. And that was a big shaper of public opinion. Yeah. So I think we would see sort of like a similar reaction in this case if the players are going, let us play. Yep, yep, just let us play. The other thing that's happening right now, which always happens as soon as the um, the trophy is awarded for the World Series, the hot stove gets fired up. It's about time. It's getting chilly out there. It is getting chilly out there. So here, we're not going to go into detail about here's a free agent, here's this trade, and here's after. That's just too much right so now. So many. Too many things. But just so you know what some of the words mean and what some of the things are that happen, here's the big picture. Overall things to watch. Right now, players and teams are deciding on those contracts that have opt-out or opt-in Um, contingencies, which means a player is allowed to, at given years in a contract, say, okay, I don't want to play here anymore. I'm going to be a free agent. Or the team's going to say, okay, we would like to release you at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, so you'll you'll be seeing so and so exercised their opt out or their opt in. Can can I just uh, footnote that? And yeah. it's I don't think it's necessarily I don't want to play here anymore. It's I know I can get more money. Yes, because that's yes. what and talk about dropping names, which I'm going to do right now. Kyle Schwarber, that's what just happened with him. Right. There's a lot of talk that maybe he does want to be in Boston, but he could get more money if he opts out. Right. And so some people who don't exercise those options, mm-hmm. like let's just say a certain Dodgers pitcher who um, I hear he's got legal issues. Holy right? shit! Right. He did not opt out because he knows very well he's going to get 32 freaking million dollars if he stays put and who the hell's going to hire him right so yeah oh, so, there's, so there's disgusting. both of those things so it's like you might not exercise the opt out if you think all right i got it good i'm not going to get a better mm-hmm. offer or i really do love it here i don't want to waste time negotiating you know is it you know is 30 30 million that much better than 29 million you know that kind of thing <laughs> if right? i only had that problem i know i know i don't have those issues and and others oh are God. are you know, like in, in Schwarber with the Schwarbombs, it's like, hey, I just brought a home run bat to two teams mm-hmm. and did wonderful things for them this season. I can get a lot more than what you're offering. And here's the other thing you need to know. Qualifying offers. If you are a team who's got guys who are now eligible for free agency and you have not signed extensions with them already, um, you can extend a qualifying offer. And that qualifying offer, offer number is $18.4 million for a one-year contract. And they can agree to it. Or they can say, no, thank you. I'm going to test the waters and see mm-hmm. what I can do. And in the past, some people have gotten like bit in the butt in, in the butt for that. Um, like they they didn't take the the qualifying offer right. and then they didn't get signed for a long time. And they took a six million dollar instead of a 16 million dollar contract for a year. So you are playing it. You, you've really got to think it through carefully. Right. So um, like the Mets offered um, Conforto and Syndergaard, the qualifying offer, the Blue Jays have offered it to Marcus Simeon. You know, for sure, Simeon's going to go open market because he was amazing this year. I hope so. I mean, I hope he goes open market and goes to one of my teams because, <laughs> oh, my God. So those are the, those are the things you need to watch for right now. Qualifying offers, um, opt-outs, um, and such. Um, a quick note, the other thing that happens in the offseason, well, actually, this happens all year round, changes in um, front office management. Mm-hmm. And last week, we talked a little bit about Raquel Ferreira possibly interviewing for the Mets job. She was, in fact, invited, and she turned it down. So there you go. She is so tied to the Red Sox. Like, she's been there so long. She is such a uh, – they depend on her for so many things behind the scenes. I hope she stays there and moves up. And I wonder how much of it is that and how much of it is the Mets are horrible to women yeah, right now. That. And do I – do I am I ready to and do I want to put the energy into right. being the poster child for, look, yep. we're good with women now and all the work that's involved in that. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't Very blame her point. at all. Very good point. Oh, speaking of the Mets, uh, boyfriend on boyfriend altercation. So way back, I don't, I don't think I've we've said this this episode. But baseball boyfriends, we're gonna be talking about them a lot more soon. These are the guys that we're gonna pick soon in the off season. Yes, we will drink to that. It's another. What's that called again? It's a. It's a something berry rip rip current it's rip a, current rip rip current. That's it. Yep, rip currants. It is a heavy seas ale with raspberries and black currants, and it is as we call it a breakfast beer. Yes, it's only noon here. Yep. 
<laughs> so all right, cheers. I'm sorry. Boyfriend and boyfriend altercation. And, and actually, this is appropriate because I think I definitely need to drink up for this because these are two guys. So the boyfriends are the guys that we like. We pick them in the offseason because there's something special about them. We pick one per team. And uh, a while ago, you picked Lindor when he was on the Cleveland team. Sure did. I had picked Jeff McNeil when he was on the Mets. I don't remember what fucking year at this point. But earlier in the season, there was a, a kerfuffle, shall we say. Something happened in the tunnel that should not be, that was not revealed. That This is the, the tunnel that goes from the dugout to the locker room, right? Yep. And, and... Lindor very famously had an interview afterwards where he said they saw something that looked like a rat and they were arguing if it was a rat or a raccoon and everybody sort of laughed about it. We'll leave it to the good old New York Post to finally dig down and figure out what happened. And apparently, and I don't know, this is as far as you can trust the New York Post anyway, Lindor was pissed that McNeil wasn't doing the shift right. He wasn't in the right spot at the right time when they were going into the shift. And apparently this has had happened a couple times. And unfortunately, Lindor didn't express his frustration in the best way. And maybe he had a few times, but it should probably not get to the point where you grab your teammate by the neck and and in the tunnel, which is apparently what had happened. Um, Luckily, they didn't have to continue fighting about the shift because not long after that, they each did a big stint on the IL. And then when they both came back nice and healthy... They had acquired Javier Baez, who worked just fine on the infield with Lindor. McNeil was way in the outfield, and everybody is happier for it. But I, I don't, I don't condone grabbing anybody by the neck. Is the is the bottom line here? And I just want to point out that Lindor did not pull that shit when yeah. he was on the Cleveland team. Yeah, I think also there was a lot of I don't know. The Mets were mighty, mighty fucked up this past year, and I'm hoping that the uh, I don't know who knows who's sticking around, but I know that Lindor and Baez are. Uh, good connection. Lindor is a smiley guy. And this is the New York Post. Who knows? Maybe he was just tapping him on the shoulder to give him some friendly advice and it got misconstrued. Yeah, tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, is that a rat Mm -hmm. or a raccoon? Here, no, let me take you by the throat and turn your head and show you. (laughs) No, that thing over there. Yeah. Hey, so I just um, poured us, we were splitting a beer because it's about time for me to cry in my my brunch beer, but not so much out of sadness, but just Uh. sort of out of sentimentality. Because as you probably all know by now, Buster Posey announced his retirement this week. Buster was my first Giants boyfriend and I love him. And I do. I love him so very much. He announced his retirement Thursday after 12 seasons, which I found amusing that several different articles that I read referred to it as a very short career. And 12 years in baseball seems like a long time, but he just had a career season. So maybe part of that is the context. Yeah. Part of that is the context. So um, he and his wife have two sets of twins. They have 10-year-old girls, and they just adopted a set of twins right before um, the pandemic started, which was, you know, we're 16 months old now, which is the primary reason he opted out of playing the COVID year, as we're calling it. And also, um, so he wants to spend time with his family he said I want to do more stuff from February to November with my family which I totally get and the physical toll of the game on the catcher and you know you are aware probably that there is a rule named after Buster Posey whose ankle was broken after a collision um, at home plate and that you know that still is causes a lot of pain he's in a crouch for you know how many games a year and it hurts and he would like to not be in pain all the time. He didn't it's, talk about that a lot, but others certainly did. He did say, um, a lot of things that bring me joy don't bring me as much joy as they could. And I think that is the reason for all that. He knew all season pretty much that he was going to retire. So he said he uh, that allowed him to empty the tank, quote, like never before. So he played wow. so hard. Like we talk about That's Max Scherzer why. emptying the tank, you know, yeah. in the seventh inning when you know he's not coming out for the eighth. And, you know, you hear the grunts and he's going, you know, with every ounce of his being. That's how Buster played all season because he was emptying the tank. So he ends uh, um, tied with Pete Rose as the only other player in MLB history to win Rookie of the Year and uh, Most Valuable Player Award and three World Series rings. Wow. Right? He um, caught three no-hitters, um, tied for the third most in league history, five-time All-Star. He's retiring with, with exactly 1,500 hits. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Right? And 158 wow. home runs. His pitch framing, which is one of the things he's absolutely famous for. I mean, he's well-known as a super smart ball player. There's a future for this guy managing, doing whatever. But his pitch framing was stellar. And it's been calculated that the pitch framing alone was worth 129 more runs or roughly 13 wins than an average 
catcher. That's crazy. Holy crap, right? Um, Grant Brisby, who, wow, we're quoting him two episodes in a row. Last time was his famous song about the arm barn. Um, (laughs) This lovely article about um, Buster said there's so much Buster Posey that we still might be missing and you weren't ready for that yeah because you know he's he's ending on a high you know he's he's leaving uh you know and on a high part um but all the things we read weren't about him being this flashy superstar kind of player they use words like consistent and solid and unassuming and they talk about his hugs um a buster posey hug is often um what happens at the end of a very meaningful game a championship win a playoff win and they are meaningful meaningful hugs and in there's a a youtube clip advertising the uh the buster hug bobblehead in which his teammates say well i've gotten 13 buster hugs well i've gotten six well they're you feel very safe when you get they're hilarious they're, oh, they're hilarious, but he's famous for, for the Buster hug. Um, the Giants have said there's a place for him for sure. Um, he said mm. he wanted to retire a Giant. He's a Giant for life. So it's likely that he will go somewhere into the Giants organization. Um, all over the interweb, you see um, sort of like people honoring him, whether they're teammates or fans or players from other sports. Lots of people are saying, here's my, my memories about Buster Posey. Mm-hmm. My, one of my favorite ones is actually Clayton Kershaw, who he played against. I mean, like the, the, the you know, the rivalry. Giants and the Dodgers, big rivalry. He, they faced each other more than any other like pitcher catcher pair like that. that so he faced so him cool. 120 times. And when asked about Buster Posey, Clayton Kershaw said the following. And now that I've got some boys, he's talking about his sons here. Now that I've got some boys, I always think about guys I would want them to emulate their game after. Not just how they play, obviously, because Buster was really good at that, but just how they go about the game, how they play, how they interact with their teammates and different things like that. Buster is at the top of that list for me. I'm crying into my freaking beer about this. And I've got to end with um, futures for other um, previous boyfriends. I had picked Joey Bart um, last season as my Giants boyfriend. Um, It's Joey time. Yeah. It is Joey time. Um, The Giants president, Farhan Zaidi, said our our number one priority is to give Joey that opportunity that he's really earned up to this point. He did not do well when he came up in 2020. He was rushed. There was no minor league season. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't do well, got sent back down, but he's had a whole year at AAA, and they think he's ready now. So they're, they're not saying he's our only guy. They're, you know, they're looking at other catchers and all of that, but they do, they, they want him to be the, um, you know, the, the next guy up. That's very cool. And I think you, you kind of predicted this trajectory when you were choosing Joey Bart that, that Buster Posey was on his way out. And this is the, 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 the hard part is going out on a high, you know, yeah. is everybody going, oh, but you're, you're doing so well. Why leave now? But what's the alternative? Like start sucking and then go out and then you feel shitty. So right. I think yeah. especially with such a long and storied career that he's doing the right thing at the right time and the kids, like what baseball boyfriends? Yeah, I don't think, we have not seen the last of him. We're going to see him, you know, in the dugout. We're going to yeah. see him, you know, we're going to see him in the bullpen or the arm barn, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> we're going to see him a lot. We're going to see him in the front office. And I'm really excited about that. So good on you, Buster. Thank you for the memories. Oh my gosh. I'm going to move us over to international baseball now in Lidam in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Albert Pujols is a joy to watch. <laughs> He's he, a man who loves to play the game. He really does. And I and this being his first season playing in Lidam is hysterical. I mean, he's been playing baseball forever. He's from the Dominican Republic. The fact that it's the first time he's playing in this league and he's totally embracing the crazy traditions. And they have these like uh, locker room dances afterwards. And he's got the hat and the shades and the poncho. And he's just <laughs> having a blast. So we talked about this last week and it was before the game and he walked it off that game he had the walk-off hit he's had a couple of key hits this week I think he's key to having the Leones in second place although I watched them get beat last night which was a little bit rough by the Estrellas Orientales but I have hope that they're going to just keep going up right now they're tied for second with the Estrellas Orientales um, the Aguilas Ibaeñas who are the the reigning champs they're in first place but there is another secret weapon coming, is and it, that is, is La Mole Fran Mill Reyes. The Franimal? The Franimal oh, I love is joining so. the Leones del Escogido. People, you need to watch Lidam. As we said last week, you can get it on your MLB postseason uh, subscription. Even if you have to pay the 25 bucks now, it's worth it. So Fran Mill is showing up on Mr. Potty Mount's birthday, November 16th. 
There's so much to, to love about the Leones de Escogido. There's actually two more notables on the team right now. Gabriel Guerrero. Yes, that's Guerrero. That's the cousin of Vladdy. Oh, my goodness. Is in the outfield. It is in the jeans. It totally. Holy Toledo. Yeah, he actually did pretty disappointing. Or holy Toronto. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. Thank he, you. he was a little disappointing drinking. last night, but. I'm also hoping that Vladdy's going to show up late because he did that last year. He came in very late in the season. Another notable is Joan Dunand, and you will see his name when he does something well on A-Rod's social media because it is his nephew. So I'm not as excited about the family ties there, but I'm just trying to plug my Leones. Um, in, in other teams around there, the Estrellas Orientales are getting a new player this Wednesday, which would be Cano is coming back Robinson Cano. Wow. So we'll see how that does. And Hanley Ramirez, who I adore from his Red Sox days, is playing for the Tigres de Lisey. So lots to see in Lidom. And as I said, easy to see. But it turns out that more winter baseball is going to be easy to see, I think. I don't understand quite how this works, but I saw that the Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente, which is the Puerto Rican League, has made a deal with Fox starting Hmm. today. Their league started last night, and my team, Gigantes de Carolina, lost their first game. But I still have hope. Starting today, there will be Fox broadcasts. I'm not quite sure how you're going to see it, but the interesting thing is there's one in Spanish, which will be available in Puerto Rico in the Caribbean area, and it's going to also be broadcast on Huepa Deportes. But there's also going to be one in what I believe is English. I saw this in an, a Spanish article, and it said idioma anglo-sajon, which is like Anglo-Saxon language, which I oh, just thought oh, was oh. hysterical. I don't know. Maybe that's a common way of saying things in Puerto Rico, but I thought it was pretty funny. Actually, that was on their website, on the league. Maybe it was like a website. Google Translate situation or something. I don't, I, it was in Spanish. Yeah, I don't know. Anglo-sajon. Go figure. But... I'm going to put a plug in now for the team that I support. And again, I think our my Winter League What to Watch document will be linked in our notes because, you know, follow the teams that I pick because I clearly know what I'm doing. The, you put a lot of work into your research. <laughs> totally you absolutely do. do. Hey, they're pretty. They're, right, right. Well, and here's here's another like yay, huge yay <laughs> thing. So the, the, the Puerto Rican League has reservas, which are guys – who are technically on the team and could show up and play at any time, but might not, probably won't, maybe won't, maybe they'll come in later. But it's names like Yadier Molina, who is one of the reservas for my um, Gigantes. And he did play last year. So sometimes they come in like in the playoffs. So Yadi played last year. Isan Diaz, who was my boyfriend pick for Miami a couple of years ago, he's on the reservas. He might show up and... Oh, slow my beating heart. Kike Hernandez I've is heard of him. a reserva for the Gigantes de Carolina. I, I want um, our listeners to know that the, the name Kike is in all caps <laughs> in our notes. Um, so you got yeah. now you heard it in Potty Mouth's voice, but it was all in all caps. I, I, I forgot to put in the exclamation marks. But if you want to, be, oh, you said the exclamation mark. <laughs> don't you worry. If you want to follow all this excitement, follow at LBPRC in English. That's all together on Twitter. That's our friend uh, Edwin Hernandez, who knows all good things with Puerto Rican baseball. In Venezuela, the Cardenales de Lara are in second place. Right. And they have a couple of notables. Gorky Hernandez, who was on the Red Sox in 2019. I, I, and uh, Ildenmaro Vargas, who was my, that, my D-backs boyfriend, who I picked because he's on this team. He got bounced around a bit. He went back to the D-backs at the end of last season. He is now one of those free agents. Hey, um, before we leave um, our uh, Spanish-speaking mm. winter ball, do we have a vocabulary word or was it reservas? So that actually, I, we, I, we could, I could fall I, back I wanna, and call uh, it reservas. But you know what I was thinking, which I didn't write down, because last year, last year, last week, last week I said imparable, which is imparable. a hit. But as I've been watching a lot of Dominican baseball this week, they actually say hit way more than imparable, like un hit. So you've got that going. But I figure I've got to stay on that theme. So I'm going to go through the types of hits and then I'm going to go through like the batting stuff and then I'll go into fielding. So the other types of hits are I'll just do all three at once because home runs I'll save for next week. So a single is sencillo, which is is simple, doble and triple. Those I would have guessed. Doble and triple. Sencillo. I will try to remember that. a, A simple hit. All right. I like it. Thank you. 
And I believe we still have some CPBL happening. Oh, yeah. yeah we do. Taiwan. I am so excited. The Lions are on a roll. They had a huge victory this morning with so many dancing mascots. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to... An, an anteater, or somebody said it was a tapir. I don't know. This other... Th- Something else showed up on Some the field. Yeah, and they've still got the owl and Saba Boy and both Lion and the and the Mrs. Lion at this point. So many mascots. They won. Also, I put on our Twitter, and I've got to put in the show notes, the Uniboys had a, a dance after the game this morning. And this was um, Brock Dykeshorn, Tim Melville, Felix Dubrant, and a couple of other guys did like a dance routine that cannot be i'll show it to you right after we record because it's you just are awesome. exactly their demographic yes. and they are aware of it <laughs> yes i am yes i am so i'm happy they're on a roll they're up four games over the brothers and my baseball boyfriend uh, lin anko ak 77 is growing out his hair so that is an important update okay good to know yep. good to know oh my gosh so let's see what is happening this week i am um, yeah, what? Well, Wait, what? we have to talk about um, an asshole in football first. Oh, we sure do. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, we're doing our cross-training with COVID and the NFL. Yeah, I so got that so asshole excited. would be. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you may have heard of him. Kind of famous, pretty good quarterback. Kinda, I Kind of crappy like human. Yeah, me too. And the more I read about him, the less I like him. We right. get our hearts broken. When I was sorting out my bobbleheads, I went, oh, you broke my heart. Oh, you broke my heart. <laughs> and, and You didn't just smash him against the wall. No, like no. But I like the idea of the penalty box. Yes. And which also is but cross training. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, we were thinking of NCIB jail, but I think penalty box is good because yeah. sometimes people can, you know, be redeemed. Right. They can be redeemed. You've got to have a little rehabilitation activity. Rehabilitation. <laughs> rehabilitation. <laughs> no, Billy's fine. Billy's He's one okay. of the good ones. Yeah. Rehabilitation I hope activities so. in the I penalty hope so. box. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So Aaron Rodgers um, was diagnosed with COVID, surprising no one. Um, he. He's been considered unvaccinated. He wouldn't say he was unvaccinated. He said, I'm immunized. Huh. Right. And, you know, upon further digging, he's been doing all kinds of homeopathic things, which, you know, he's getting from podcast hosts. Don't believe anything a podcast <laughs> host tells you. For God's sake. Does he listen to us? Sake. No, he listens to Joe Rogan. If he listens to us, oh. he would be vaccinated and have his booster by now, for That's God's right. sake. Um, yeah. So teams are held responsible if the team itself doesn't follow the COVID protocols like appropriate masking and where distancing is required and all of that. So the NFL is in fact looking into the Packers to see if as a team they are following those protocols. Um, A lot of folks don't believe that Aaron Rodgers did. Um, If you are unvaccinated and you are a a player with the NFL, you have um, 10 days of isolation at least. You have to, you know, then get your tests to prove that you're okay again. Um, If you are vaccinated and you're, um, you're, asymptomatic and you have two negative tests 24 hours apart you're done you come right back pretty efficient if you are vaccinated if you have done all you can do to prevent stupid things happening and bad things and dangerous things because he's you know exercising his free will to listen to a podcast give out medical advice he is endangering the health of all of those around him um their third string quarterback also tested positive oh two, no two receivers are on the covid reserve list one i think tested and one was a close contact so um on the bright side that means that the team and the league are paying attention and acting swiftly okay. when bad things happen um they need to get all the teams need to get ahead of this and prevent these things from happening to begin with um and my favorite thing that Aaron Rodgers said, which puts me, uh, puts him on my shit list pretty much forever, is I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob. Oh, fuck him. So fuck him. Right, right. The woke mob is really known for having rifles with crosshairs. And, you know, this is, it's depressing on a couple of levels. One is all the talk that we did about COVID last year. Yeah. And this is still going on. And then also Green Bay is the team that I wish could be my my team of choice. Like they just that they're the people's team. They're up in Wisconsin. You know, I, I, they're such a great model for how a team should be owned. But shit, don't fuck up Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. That's this right. Is just I mean, a bummer. It, it seems like the Packers are kind of through with him anyway. Yeah. Um, he's been dancing his own steps a little too long for anybody who wants to have a teammate has any patience for. But this kind of you know proves the point that just when you think that okay all these protocols are in place every everybody's right. vaccinated everybody's following this you find out no they're really not they're really not um i have a bunch of uh, you know, trackers for um nhl 
mom, the papa mom my phone about so and so on the COVID list, so and so on the COVID wow. list, and the NHL is pretty hardcore about if you miss games because you didn't follow COVID protocols, you get fined. Good. Like immediately, like you have a personal responsibility to, and a responsibility to your team to do these things, and if you don't, it's going to cost you. Wow. So I'm happy to see leagues acting on these things. I wish the players would. Um, wake up and do what's best for their team and the world around them. Thank you very much. Amen. Uh, getting off of my soapbox now. That's all right. We got stuff to do this week. We've got stuff to do today. We have multiple stops to make. Oh, we sure do. Right? We, we sure do. Gotta... Just so you know, my, my calendar today has two words on it. The words are drunken stupor. Because <laughs> it was just too much to write, you know, dear friends memorial service and then get together with other dear friends later right. after podcasting with a dear friend first. Right. I went with the shortcut. That's it totally works. It's all yeah, part part of the same package. But yeah. there will be drinks at all events. But there's there's other stuff happening this week. So one of the things that I love looking at is awards. You know, it's that teacher prize thing. So award announcements are coming soon. So tomorrow yeah, today's the seventh. Tomorrow's the eighth. You're gonna hear about the Baseball Writers Association of America. That's all those bees. Um they're going to come up with their finalists tomorrow. So you know that we're going to look for our baseball boyfriends to be prominent on that list of awards. And those awards include Rookie of the Year. Watch out for Patty's pick, Ryan Mountcastle. I think that he's going to at least be in the finalists, if not take it all. Manager of the Year, which I don't think we got even close to with our predictions, Cy Young. And then the MVP award. So we'll see who takes it. Yeah. So we're watching both for do our boyfriend show up and do our predictions mm-hmm. um, show up. So we will report back on that next week. Woo. So we're hoping that you're watching some international baseball this week and you're finding time to get your booster shot if you can do that. And you're listening to some old episodes, maybe telling some friends about us if you think they like to hear us talk about baseball. And we know for sure you're finding us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. All right. Until next week, please fight the man and say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth. We need a better setup with our beer here. We need like, we need special beer holder things down here for our special beer. <laughs> right, but exactly. like, 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 um, like Sherpas. <laughs>